0: The Bear Down Report podcast featuring Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Shagrew, and your host, Ryan
1: Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks, welcome to a very special edition of the Bear Down Report podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dangle. You can find me on Twitter at BDR Dangle. That's D E N G E L. Stoked about this episode, folks, Uh, bringing in a good friend of mine, Sean Drendel, the head football coach of the Naperville North Huskies. Talk a little bit defense, talk a little bit of football. Uh, Before we do that, though, folks, you know, we couldn't be here without the amazing contributions of Jeff Cadwallader. If you're thinking about buying or selling a home this year, you know you've got to visit GenevaJeff.com to learn more about how Jeff Cadwallader with App Properties can help you. Jeff knows you need experience when it matters most. Give a call, give a text, 630-254-4734, or visit genevajeff.com. It's the holiday season. It's post-holiday season. Maybe you want to get a haircut. There's one spot and one spot only for you folks. That is Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois. They've been serving the community for 67 years. Five barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They've got appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. Sheridan's or give him a call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right, Sean, it is time to talk some football. My friend, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. Looking forward to it, and uh, let's get to it.
1: Absolutely, man. I, I love talking football and I especially love talking to high school football coaches. You're not the first one we've had on here. And just every time I think that it kind of bridges the gap for, for some of our listeners, right? You know, some of our listeners are diehard football fans. They know the ins and the outs of the games, but some of them are still kind of learning the process. And I always feel like when I talk to high school coaches, they're kind of that like, hey, let's let's walk through the fundamentals of this sport, because that's what you guys are going through all the time. Obviously, your guys are doing it at a high level, but, you know, to, to, to break it down to its most fundamental level. So let's hop into it. All right.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you are the head football coach at Naperville North High School in Naperville, Illinois. Um, could you maybe just uh, talk about a little bit, like, how you got to this point and and your kind of football background?
0: Yeah, my my story's kind of a little bit crazy. Uh, I played high school football at Naperville North back in the late 80s. Uh, went on to play at Eastern Illinois in the early 90s, or, you know, in between Sean Payton and uh, – probably Tony Romo, which people talk about. Also, Ryan Pace was there soon after I had left. Um, So there's been a lot of uh, Bears and NFL guys down there. Um, But so I was lucky enough to be around a lot of great people, a lot of great coaches. Um, When I finished down there, I started working at the Board of Trade or the Mercantile Exchange in downtown Chicago. And, uh, you know, your day ends a little early, as many of probably your people know. As traders back in the day, you know the floors would close pretty early, about two o'clock, and I kind of got bored. I started uh, thinking about what 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 would I do at two, being an unmarried man, and uh, you know it was an uh, option of possibly going out and helping the high school program uh, that I was had so many connections to. So I started as a volunteer coach, and and from there I moved into. Um, by 2000, I was our defensive coordinator. Uh, by 2010, I was our head coach. So kind of uh, kind of crazy to be a non-teacher and a head coach. But um, I think I'm one of the first in the Chicagoland area to do it. And, uh, you know, we've had our ups and downs. We've had successes and we've had some failures. And I wouldn't really consider them failures, but I call them setbacks. And uh, we're moving in the right direction. We've, we had a great year. We've been conference champs two out of the last five years. Um, and we got an opportunity to be really successful next year. So the building blocks are in place and uh, we're looking forward to it.
1: I just want to talk really quickly about your team this past season. They they played really, really well. And I know you're talking about that conference championship. I know uh, any of our listeners that are, are watching any of the preps, they may know the name Aiden Gray, David Alano, or Zeke Williams. I know Zeke Williams uh, because I am a huge NIU alum. I, I, I bleed red and black at, at all times. And to see that a Naperville North player is going to be ending up at NIU made me really, really happy. So what do you kind of attribute this past season's success to?
0: Well, I mean, there's a lot of crazy pieces to it. I, I attribute it to some of the previous years. Believe it or not, we had, a, we had a great COVID year in terms of not just on the field. We actually only played three games during the COVID year because of other teams infections and stuff like that. So we had an interesting year in terms of that, but we, we really worked hard during that time to stay connected with our players to be um, involved in their lives. As we knew COVID was going to take a toll on them uh, emotionally, um, socially. So we did a lot of stuff via zoom. We had workouts via zoom. We trained via zoom. We, We did, uh, we videotaped uh, workouts for them, coaches showing it, demonstrating it, all those types of things to get better fundamentally. And so that was super helpful. But it also kept us connected with our community and our players. And I think football is a unique sport. Yes, there's a a big piece about, you know, having talent, but there's also a big piece about being connected as a team. Um, You got 11 guys that have to work in conjunction all the time. And uh, our senior class led us through that really well. We would have been really good in the what in the fall of 2020 that we didn't get to play. Um, we had 17 returning starters. I think we were going to be really, really good. And, um, we had a good nucleus of young kids coming with them, and some sophomores we were going to move up as well um, that are now a part of our current team, but. It was unfortunate for those guys that they didn't get to see it through, but they were a big piece of our leadership and, and why we're where we're at now.
1: I just want to talk really quick about the COVID piece because, I mean, that's what we're seeing it in the NBA. We're seeing it in the NFL right now. The The ramifications, all of that. Illinois switched high school from a fall sport to a spring sport. That's never happened before. You've got all these Crazy. COVID regulations. Everything's kind of changing. What was that like to coach these kids in that kind of environment?
0: Well, I I mean, so I have a unique perspective being, I'm not a teacher. Um, I was a trader on a floor that uh, realistically it would take, you got to, you got to make a split second decision. And, and when I moved off the floor, I became a algorithmic trader, which, you know, now you're making microsecond decisions. So nothing's really structured for you in life. Uh, so I actually had a unique advantage where, you know, our teachers would be, some of our assistants would be a little bit upset by it's not exactly structured. And I said, guys, we got to be constantly moving. And you got to duck and dive and avoid and uh, be ready to jab when you can and be able to meet with the kids when we can and how we can. And so it, it was, it was really unique that we were able to do it. Our community was great in being able to adapt to those situations. And, and we've kind of used it as a as a stepping stool of how we communicate moving forward. You know, so our our players, our our families know that we can reach out at any time, that things may change, that not everything, even though we, you set a schedule months in advance, it may not be that schedule. And I think that's why we were able to do so well through it. Um, we changed where we had camp the summer. You know, we normally have it at the start of the summer. We moved it to the end of the summer. Um, those types of things, I, I think it allowed our kids to get fresh again and be ready to play when fall came. So kind of those types of things, you know, you got to adapt and, and uh be able to live through scenarios and i i think our kids did a great job of it and uh we're reaping the benefits of of it now
1: that's fantastic to hear best of luck to you and your team in the fall 2022 season but Sean, we brought you on to talk about the Chicago bears. If it's okay, I'd love to to hop into that situation. And I know you, you and and a few other coaches have have made a a point to say, I'm not going to play armchair coach and be critical of the coaches. and, And we'll make sure that that doesn't happen. We just more want you to try to explain to us maybe a little bit of what we're looking at. You know, if I say four, three or three, four, I know some of our listeners know exactly what that means, but not all of them do. Could you maybe talk us the bears, Say they run a 3-4. What what does that mean?
0: Well, the the Bears are able to run a 3-4. And the 3-4 basically means that they're going to have three guys with their hand on the ground. So they're able to do it. And one of the the major reasons why they're able to do it is they have a guy like Akeem Hicks in the middle. As much as people want to talk about how good the Bears are, where, where the Bears are great defensively is right up the middle. Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith are two of the best players in the league. And I know, I don't follow pro football nearly as much um, as people would think, but when you talk about Roquan Smith, he's an all-pro this year, correct? And rightfully so, he might be one of the best players in the league that people don't exactly know. But Akeem Hicks is, if he was not injured, would have been an all-pro. He is a dominant force. He's unblockable, which requires two men to block him. And to be really good at 3-4, that guy in the middle has to be blocked by two. If he's not, everyone goes, well, why don't you guys run a 3-4? Well, you don't run a 3-4 because the pros are really good at it. Teams run it because of personnel. And the Bears personnel is designed for that. Um, It goes back to Vic Fangio had it. And – the players were there. So when they when Nagy went out and looked for a new defensive coordinator in these couple past years, he's looked for a 3-4 guy, a guy that knows the 3-4 well. So that that's what he has right now. I don't know if that'll change as as you hear rumors of Akeem Hicks leaving the Bears in the offseason and stuff like that. Does that change who we bring in as a defensive coordinator if we have a change? It may because of personnel. Robert Quinn's been amazing this year. You know he's a guy Off the edge, he and I know he get, he got really beat on last year. You got to remember these guys are football's a very structured game, and you want you you like players to go off script, but you don't want them to go off script too much. And I think what happened to Robert Quinn when he got to the Bears, he didn't quite understand his role, and struggle with an injury, which doesn't help. And, you know, those types of things cause problems, and confidence was his probably his major issue his first year. This year he's got a lot of confidence, and, and just think where he would be at if Toledo Mack was playing all season. Like, he, he might have 25 sacks. It, it's you know, un- it's he's unbelievable. he that dominant. And I think as, as you watch him, when I watch those three players play, I see guys playing with confidence, and I see guys that love to play the game. They have relentless attitudes. There are plays that Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, and Roquan Smith make that they shouldn't make, and they also make hustle plays downfield where other guys don't make it. So those guys are playing with a ton of passion right now, which is unique for guys, and maybe they're playing for money. Akeem Hicks might be playing for money. Roquan just loves the game, you know, and, uh, you just watch those guys and they got a good nucleus to build on, especially if they could keep Hicks.
1: So Sean, let me ask you then as a tough question, are one of those three guys irreplaceable? Like, you know, can, can you not, I know Roquan's the youngest of the bunch, but you know, if you could only keep Roquan, uh, Robert Quinn or Akeen Hicks as a football coach, who would you keep?
0: Oh, man, God, I, I don't want to tick off any one of the three. I'd hate to see him knock on my door. Um, I would go with, uh, you know, your middle linebacker is su- super important. He, he keeps everyone in line. He makes all the calls. He does all those things. I, I would think he, he's really tough to replace. But, you know, I, I'm really worried what the Bears do if they lose a key man.
1: It's a tough cause he's been such a great player. We're very fortunate to have Gary Fensick on a few episodes ago. And, and we asked him who's the, the player that you're most looking at most excited about. It didn't take him two seconds to say Roquan Smith. I know you talked a little bit about, you know, getting after the quarterback. What are some of the other things that the Chicago bears do well on defense?
0: Well, I, I think they, I believe that those three guys especially pursue super well. They take uh Roquan Smith takes unbelievable angles to the football. And I don't know, I believe he did that at Georgia, but he, he's been taught very well and has taken that teaching and done a great job. The other thing, you know, where, where they probably struggle the most right now is, and I don't know what has happened to him and I can't really tell you, but Eddie Jackson has really struggled since he's gotten paid. And I don't know if that's, a reflection on his work ethic in the off season. I don't know if his personal life has struggles. You, you don't know. Um, and, and you got to remember, these players are people too. They have, they have wives, they have families, they have moms, they have dads. So, you know, when people go, oh, well, he's a bum or a buster, like they have no idea what he's going through on a daily best basis. Let me just tell you, Eddie Jackson wants to be a great football player. You can tell, you watch him play. He gets frustrated. Um, he's just struggled, And maybe it's a different DB coach. Maybe it's how they communicate. Maybe you don't know those types of things. So, you know, that that's where I said that team unity and that team cohesiveness, it goes from the top, the owners, player personnel, the coaches, the GMs, the players, to the guys squirting water in their mouths, you know, All those people have to be fighting that, pulling the rope the same way or rowing the boat the same way as uh, my buddy PJ Fleck up in Minnesota says. You got got to row the same way. And if you don't, you start – and they're professionals, so they're playing for themselves a little bit too. So, you know, you don't know those situations, but I'm guessing Eddie Jackson will have a better year next year. I don't know if it'll be with the Bears or not. Um, You know, a lot of things can change in the NFL. It can change quickly. So whether the coaching staff changes, the GM changes, or the players change, you know, obviously at 5 and 10, something has to change. And I think they will do something. But it's a proud history of uh, the Chicago Bears. Defense is, you know, where we've hung our hats for years. And this defense has been good. They're just not great, you know. And they, their coverage skills are lacking. And I, 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 I firmly believe that they, as you see some of these younger players play, they, they got some talent. I mean, the Graham kid's a pretty good player. Is it Ogle Tree? The yep. Uh, yep, he's been a nice addition here late. Um, they got some guys that can make some plays. I think they you know, and I I really like what's going on in the offensive line with the two tackles. And I know Jenkins is, man, like people are beating him up. Like you go face some of those cats that he's facing, (laughs) you know, he, he hasn't played at all and he gets thrown in the fire and then he goes and tries to back up his quarterback, which, you know, probably a bad move at the time, but you know, he, he's just trying to make his way with his, make his bones with his teammates. So you know, you see, there's some pieces in there. playing they're still playing with passion, which you know you got to give. Excuse me, you got to give um, Nagy and his and his coaches a lot of credit for getting them to play with that fire. They're still playing with fire. That
1: has to be a really difficult thing as a coach to have a uh, a losing record, uh, to have fans just railing left and right and to somehow still hold that locker room. I'm sure you've had some teams in the past where things haven't gone the way that, that any of you have wanted. What do you do to to keep that chemistry going and keep a locker room connected?
0: Well, I mean, you try to make it fun. Number one, you try to talk to, especially with the high school kid. And I'm guessing they do it with the pro guys as well. That why do you play the game? You play the game for fun and you have a passion for it. And, when you find that passion, go out and do it. And the unique thing about football is, you know, I, I, I believe some of your best coaching happens when you're bad. You know, I, I mean, some of these guys are really getting coached up and getting better, like watching the grant, like, like I said about Graham, like whoever's coaching him has gotten him way better. Whoever's coaching Tree, whoever's coaching Ropon, they've gotten way better as the seasons progress. So your best coaching kind of occurs when you're bad, you know, and the players know it. And if they know you're still coaching and driving for them, you know, especially in the NFL, if you keep coaching them up and they keep getting better, they're going to get paid and they know that. And I think that's, you know, that's a credit to, like I said, Nagy. And I know the side gets a lot of credit for being a very intelligent minded uh, guy. and, And so does Nagy. You know, it's just some things haven't gone their way. I I believe Matt, Matt Nagy is a good man and a good person, and that's why the guys are still playing for him. You know, sometimes time management are things that you can't see as a coordinator that maybe Andy Reid did a great job of. Maybe on fourth down, fourth and short, maybe Andy Reid was making those calls. Um, those types of things, and maybe uh, – the enemy was in on it, helping out as well. Or some of those things that you don't know that Matt doesn't have to rely on like he used to. And that, that makes it tough. And I, I know Matt Nagy is a good football coach. He he has good ideas and, and can make plays, but sometimes if you don't have every piece in place and we don't know what the McCaskies allow them to go get, we don't know how much money they spend on coordinators and those types of things I mean, you know it, but did they want someone else? Did they want to spend more money somewhere else and couldn't? Those types of things could happen, and, and that's a big deal in the NFL. You know, they, you can change your team real fast, and we've seen it with other teams, you know, this past year, that it happens fast when teams get better and teams get worse.
1: So let me ask you a question. Let's say your, your Huskies are, are driving and fourth down comes up, but you need a score. And you're out of field goal range. What goes through your head in that decision-making process? I know earlier you talked about making those quick decisions like you did when, you know, you're working on, on the, uh, the board of trade and doing all those things. But what kind of uh, are you thinking about or are you having voices in your ear telling you, hey, we should be doing this? Like what, what kind of goes into all of that?
0: Well, that, that kind of goes, it depends on how you have it set up. You know, you hear of different ways of different coaches, I've heard from some people that say Jim Harbaugh has a guy – Jim Harbaugh makes every call for his team or had in the past. I don't know if he's doing it currently or not. But when he was at in the NFL, he'd make every call for his offense, but he'd have a guy that had to be ready at all times with a running play. And he had to have another guy who had to be ready at all times for a passing play, no matter what the situation was. So he was basically training two other people how to be a coordinator and make instant decisions, and all he would do is, I need a run play, and they had to have it. So, like, when you hear stories about that, and I don't know how the Bears do it, and I'm guessing no one really tells you. These are stories you hear from other people. I'm guessing Jim Harbaugh would never tell you that's how he does it, but that's how he did it for one year with one of the teams and it was very effective. So I don't know what the bears are doing. I know how we do it in our personal system. And our system is that I have my wide receiver coach ready with a pass call. I have my run game, my running back coach with a running play. And I have myself and my quarterback coach ready with every call. Now I make every call, but if I go, Hey, Quarterback coach, I need he's got a call for that situation. Now it it doesn't, I'll be honest, it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And a lot of times those are real crucial calls that maybe you're stumped as a coach, and maybe it happens a little too often for the Bears. The one that bothers a lot of coaches when you see it is a situation where you take a timeout, then you get a delay a game after a timeout. That's, that's a problem. Like, what are we doing? And that's maybe too many cooks in the kitchen. Maybe you're asking too many questions. And ultimately as a head coach and, and Nagy knows it, the ax falls on somebody. And at some point in time, you can't be protected anymore. So I've been in that situation. It's tough. We all know it as head coaches, you know, you take a lot of grief and I've had it. We've been two and seven. I've had, People ask him, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? And you just got to believe in your system. And I I think that's why Matt was able to win this weekend. You know, he believes in the system. He believes in plugging in a guy like Foles who stuck with them. And they won the game. You know, I'll be honest. I really liked that he went for two. You know, I know a lot of people are like, what is he doing? What?" In my opinion, what do you have to lose? Absolutely. And if you hear most coaches like I, I'm a, I would consider myself a player's coach. In those situations, I ask my players. If my players can answer right away, go for two. I'm going for two. If they don't have, answer quickly, and confidently, then we might kick it there. Um, but I'm guessing he asked his guys, and they all said, "Let's go for two. Let's get, let's score and get on the plane and get home. You know, it's cold enough out here. Let's get the hell out of here." That. It was a great decision, and, and he let players make plays, and that, that's kind of where the NFL is nowadays. Like, you got to have dudes who can make plays. The Bears don't have a whole lot of guys on offense that can make plays.
1: Now, I know that you're a high school coach, and Matt Nagy is a professional coach, but you, you've had a couple seasons that, that weren't nearly as successful as you wanted. What is the mindset like for you? I mean, I, that, that's got to take a toll on you personally,
0: right? Well, it takes a toll on a lot of people. It takes a toll on your family. Um, probably most of all, uh, like when I heard about Nagy and, you know, his kids playing a playoff game and they start a chant, fire Nagy, like, come on, like his, his family knows it. Like they, they're not unaware of what's going on. They don't need that, you know, and, and a credit to who Matt Nagy is. He, he never once cried about it or, complained about it. He just kind of went about his business. It it takes a toll on everyone who's involved. And, you know, that's the toughest piece that you do have. Fam- like I said before, these guys have families. Like, it's not like they're trying. Trust me, they are not trying to lose. I know Ryan Pace. He's not trying to make bad draft picks. He's not trying to, you know, he firmly believed, and a lot of people believe, that Mitch Trubisky was the answer. Every NFL coach, every organization would take taken Trubisky before Mahomes. Every one of them. So, you know, where people go, oh, well, how'd they miss on Mahomes? A lot of people miss them, right? Um, so those types of things are – you feel bad for those guys. I mean, they're trying, and, and they've done good things to be in this position where they're at right now. So it takes a lot of people, like I said before, rowing the boat, the same way, pulling that rope the same way. And I think when you're in those situations, you are constantly talking. To your in a high school program, you're trying to find ways to rebuild what you're trying to do. The Bears are trying to do the same thing by putting their players in a situation to feel confident going into the off season and to be able to get better and feel like they only need a few pieces. And I think that's what they're trying to do. It's what the Bears organization has done forever by not firing guys, not making knee-jerk reactions, and and they're gonna do it their way. We can we can complain and and moan and groan about the McCaskey way and how they do things. You know, they're the only organization in, in pro sports that their money comes from the organization. So the Bears are the only pro sports team that. The family's money came from owning the Bears. That's it. They have 41 employees that are McCaskies of the Bears. You know, those types of things people don't realize, but they're pretty invested. You know, the McCaskies are pretty invested. They want to win. And I know people think, well, they're just hanging on for the money. Like, they want to win. They, if they were hanging on for the money, they would have sold out a while ago. They, the price tag's high all 41 of those people are going to get paid. I think they still want to win. And you know, that that's what they're trying to do. I know that Virginia was behind the Trubisky thing, pretty big time, that's who she wanted. And I, I don't think there was many people in the organization who disagreed with it. So when you make jumps and leaps of face, like they have, you got to give up something to get something. And, And that's what they've done. I, They probably have found the right piece with Justin Fields. Um, I just hope he can stay healthy and they can get enough linemen to make that happen.
1: Sean, I, I, I could ask questions forever, but I know your time is valuable. I want to get to one of our favorite segments and we haven't been able to do this in a while. We haven't had a guest like yourself on in, in quite a bit. So I want to get to a segment we like to call Unpopular Opinion. So now this can be just about anything that you want. We've had some, some big ones. Uh, our, our good friend, Rob Kirkland, I will never let him live this down, says Portillo's sucks. Uh, JJ Stankovitz, uh, the uh, staff writer for the Colts, said that deep dish pizza sucks. And Mike Fitzgerald, uh, the head coach at York High School, uh, likes to put ketchup, lots of ketchup on his hot dogs. So, Sean, I'm hoping that you're, you're not in one of those three categories. So I got to ask my friend, what is your unpopular opinion?
0: Well, I believe, and it may not be unpopular, it may be popular. I'll, I'm going to stay on the football end. That hands down, the worst call in sports is defensive pass interference. Oh, preach. Tell it me is, more. It's damaging. It's terrible. And it a lot of times it bails out really bad football plays and gives them a lot of yardage. And for fantasy people, you don't even get the fantasy <laughs> Like, So my guy beat a guy super big. It would have been a touchdown. I don't get the 50 yards of the touchdown. I just, I just get the DPI and the yardage. So... I'm a firm believer, like, it should be just like college. Pull it back to 15. Don't make it deadly for the defense. Um, The defense is already in a bad spot. You can't touch a guy after five yards. How about the targeting now? Oh, my God. Like, the the zone for hitting a quarterback is, like, a a ruler doesn't even get it. It's not even 12 inches. Like, you got to hit it below the nipple – above the waistband to, to not get a penalty there. So, you know, those would probably be my biggest ones, you know, and probably the last one I'm, I know I'm ranting, but like the quarterbacks, there are different rules for different quarterbacks. I'm telling you, like the Tom Brady, the Aaron Rodgers, you know, let Lamar Jackson, he gets hit all the time. Justin Fields, same game, identical situation, no call. It, it's awful. So the game was meant to be hit. Like Aaron Rodgers, toughen up my man. You get paid a lot of money to get hit. I'll stand back there and get hit. You know. Sean, so.
1: I just, I got to say this, man. I don't, I I know you knew this is a bears podcast, but there are a lot of listeners right now that just became huge Naperville North Husky fans because of what you just said, Aaron Rodgers does deserve to get hit a little bit. It's just, it's so infuriating that they just look at an official sometimes. And it's just like, Oh yeah, there's 15 yards. It's like, he didn't even touch it. Like what, what is he supposed to do? It's, it's infuriating.
0: It's not football anymore. Like that, that's the tough thing is, you know, I, I get, if you bury your helmet under his chin, Like, I I understand that one, but, man, and then the leg one, you know, and I know we're trying to save their knees, but realistically, how many knees have been blown out that way? Not many. Not many. Um, And and I I would make a case that D lineman and offensive lineman, there's a a blown-out knee once a week, you know, in the NFL for those guys, not for quarterbacks, I can tell you that
1: it's it's been frustrating to watch some of these defensive players do everything possible to pull up from a hit you know because they've kind of launched themselves towards a quarterback or or a defensive a defenseless player at some point um just to get a penalty when they've done everything that is humanly possible to avoid you know a hit and there's nothing else that they can do except just take that penalty frustrating and
0: you know the other piece and, I, and I'm kind of rant but like the nfl the NFL is so slow to change their rules. The NCA, you know, they had uh, the kid from Pittsburgh was yes. doing the fake yes. slide and then kept running. They changed that rule immediately. You know, they had it changed within a week. The NFL doesn't operate that way. The NFL takes their time with their things. And, and there's good reasons for it at times. But, man, the quarterbacks, they got it. And I know it's the owners don't want their main players out and all that. We spent all this money on Russell Wilson. We can't have him get hurt. But you know what? We also, the reason why people watch the game is because of violent collisions. And that's a piece of it. And you talk to anyone who's played the game, they understand it. They get paid for it. Um, We had a guy named Chris Brown who played for us, played in the NFL for seven or eight years, and he, I used to make fun of him about stepping out of bounds as a running back. And he's like, hey, coach, it's a car accident every time I run the ball. If I can step out, I'm going to step out. <laughs> so, you know, I, I get it. I understand it. But now, now Chris is 40 years old and he plays golf every day of his life. He, he, he's doing all right. Like <laughs> I, There's a give and take. You know, some of us are working our, our fingers to the nub. And he's, he's playing golf every day. So it's kind of one of those things, like you got to understand it and I get it, but uh, it's still football and we still got to play it the same way.
1: Sean, I cannot thank you enough for your time before we get you out of here. Any shout outs, anybody that might be listening to the podcast that you'd like to give a shout out to.
0: Oh man. Any, any Husky fan, like you said, those guys who uh, might be Husky fans now come on board. It should be a fun uh, fall of, 2022 now, you know, for the Huskies, it's been uh, 1992, the Huskies won a state title 2007, the Huskies won a state title 15 years apart. It's been 15 since we won last, maybe let's do it again. So I'm looking forward to any Husky alums out there. Come on back. It should be a fun season.
1: Sean, thank you so much for your time. And again, one more time, best of luck to you uh, this upcoming 2022 season.
0: Thanks for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Love to come back anytime.
1: I love talking to high school football coaches and Sean Drendel, great guy. I am stoked that, that his team had a really good season this past season. And, you know, some of those players that, that I mentioned earlier, I mean, you're getting national recognition. So good luck to the, the Naperville North Huskies uh, in their pursuit of a state championship uh, beyond this point. There's a lot of good high school football coaches that we've had the opportunity to, to talk to. Um, and it's just it's always it's it's just so much fun. Uh, we know that there's a big difference between the pros and high school, but but some of those guys are just awesome. And and Sean did a great job breaking it down. Folks, if this is for some reason your first episode listening to the podcast, come on back, check out one of our post-game pods with Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Shagru, and Jack Wright. Uh, we break down every game for you, what's going on, all the things that are happening especially with some coaching changes probably going to happen at the end of this season. Uh, there's going to be a lot going on here in the bear down report podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. If you really like what you hear, please hit us with a five-star review because that really helps to widen our audience. But if you have loved what you've heard, you can go to any of the episodes on bear down under the podcast section. Click on the episode, and there is a donate button, and you can donate a round of beers to any of us, the hosts at Bear Down Report, and we would appreciate it greatly. If you do donate, though, please let us know because we want to shout you out on this podcast. For all of us at the Bear Down Report podcast, thank you so much for listening, folks. And as always, Bear Down.